When sin entered the world, peace between God and people was broken. But God promised to send a rescuer. Many years later, Isaiah the prophet said, A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. He will be called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah said the Prince of Peace would be from Galilee. God chose to send his son, Jesus, to the earth as a baby, and he chose Mary to be Jesus' mother. During the time Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus announced that everyone needed to be registered for a census. Every person traveled to the town where his family was from. Mary was engaged to Joseph. Since Joseph was a descendant of King David, he and Mary left their home in Nazareth of Galilee and traveled to Bethlehem, the city of David. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. Mary and Joseph looked for a safe place for Mary to have her baby. But every place was full because of all the people who were in town to be counted. So Mary and Joseph found a place where animals were kept. And that is where Mary had her baby. She wrapped baby Jesus tightly in cloth and she laid him in a manger. In the same region, some shepherds were staying out in the fields and watching their sheep to protect them from thieves and predators. All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord stood before them. A bright light shone around the shepherds and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I have very good news for you. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. Then the angel said, You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. A king in a manger? That was no place for a king. All of a sudden, many angels appeared praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So the shepherds went straight to Bethlehem to find baby Jesus. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. The shepherds went and told others about the baby Jesus. Everyone who heard about Jesus was surprised and amazed. Mary thought about everything that was happening and tried to understand it. The shepherds returned to their fields, praising God because everything had happened just as the angel had said. The birth of Jesus was good news. Jesus was not an ordinary baby. He was God's son, sent to earth from heaven. Jesus came into the world to bring peace between people and God. He came to save people from their sins and to be their king. so easy to follow. Even I can follow it. How good is that? Wow, you're quiet. Hey, I'll take a laugh, you know, a sympathy laugh, you know, every now and then, if you got one. Hey, um, I tend to be quite a positive sort of person. I don't know if you've noticed, I smile a lot. 
I was smiling before and, and kind of kidding around before church. And Jenna looked at me and said, how much coffee have you had? I was only on about my second mouthful, but I went back to my office and made sure I charged up a little bit more from then on in. So it was good. So that, I'm a bit, that was about 20 minutes ago. So I'm good. I'm wired for it. So, But I do tend to be quite a positive person. I haven't always been a positive person. I, I've gone through periods in my life where I wasn't really positive at all. But then uh, God came into my life and turned it upside down and all that negative that was kind of in my life kind of turned over and, and got kind of sorted out and shaken out by God. And so even though we face times that are troubling and times in this world uh, where uh, the COVID word is used and there's difficulties and that, I can't help but feel a deep joy that sits below all that stuff that gets me up in the morning and and tells me that that there's going to be hope, that we're going to make it through, that there will be a way. That said, there's a part of the Bible that, that I've always found really difficult to read. And, and it's, I mean, there's, there's parts of the Bible in the Old Testament and everything which are really, really difficult. Some of the stories are tragic. Some of them are terrible and some of them are horrible. Some of them are uh, betrayals. And, but there's this one period that stands out to me as I just can't imagine it. And it's called the 400 Years of Silence. And it's the... The clip that we've just been watching is the birth of Jesus. But what came before that was 400 years of silence where God God used to always speak to Israel and um, the Jewish people through prophets. They would um, rock up and they would say, God says this and God says this and they would they would. They would uh, get and they would travel through the land and that preaching, uh, this is what God's saying and that and and Israel would um, it would keep them on track. It would it would uh, keep the Jewish people and God's people, um, Gentiles that had also come to him and everything, on track and and able to know what was happening. But then there was this four hundred period, four hundred year silence where God just it's just like he vanished. Poof. Just like he disappeared, and no prophets were going through Israel and speaking, and. And no, you know, can you imagine that? I've known people who have had fathers who uh, in their um, moodiness and that have had long silences. And, and so uh, the mother or, or one of the kids has done something and the dad just clams up and just doesn't talk to them for maybe a day, maybe a couple of days, sometimes a week. Some people know people that that's, that's happened for months. The people that I've known that, that it's happened to, it's been tremendously soul-destroying for them to have that happen. It's a real manipulative way of basically saying, you know, I'm angry with you and just, and just reinforcing it, reinforcing it. That wasn't what God was doing. That wasn't what God was doing at all. The fact was that the hope had had kind of run out in a sense that Israel just kept getting into the bad habit of going back to their old ways. And what they couldn't, if I was to have a whiteboard, you would see that the start of 
the Bible started off with such promise, Genesis, such promise. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He would come to them daily and walk with them daily. And then, and then uh, mankind fell and the relationship was spoiled. And the next time God came to talk to them, they were hiding behind trees. And he said, what's going on? And have you eaten an apple? And it all went downhill from there. And, and as one person said, mankind's been hiding from God ever since. It's in our nature to run from God often. We don't want a bar of it. It shows stuff in our lives that we don't want to see. And so Israel, would, they would come back to God because God would send prophets to say, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to do to put it right. Come back and your days will be amazing. I've got a future for you. I've got a bright tomorrow for you. And all would be good. But then they'd go back to idol worship. They'd go back to human sacrifice. They'd go back, and it would just get worse and worse and worse. And things were just getting worse and worse and worse. But there was a prophecy, the prophecy that we heard up there, the prophecy in Isaiah where it was foretold that Jesus would come to this world and he would come and he would bring people together. He would lay down his life. There, there were thousands of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he came. And so the hope had run out 400 years. Imagine doing church for, well, we're not around for 400 years for a start. But imagine if we uh, started here when we were five years old at church and at 70 years old, we never heard anything that was kind of fresh from God, you know, um, Bruce stood up and said, I want to read a prophecy out of the Bible. Imagine that didn't happen. Imagine no one was speaking or bringing any new voice from God. And it was just silence and the hope was gone. What a depressing scenario. That's kind of what what was in the backdrop of Jesus coming. The good thing is that in Luke chapter 2, it says, that night some shepherds were out in the fields near Bethlehem watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord was shining around them. The shepherds were very afraid. The angel said to them, now I was thinking earlier today, this was probably the first time in 400 years that people had seen an angel. Remember the stories of old, you know, sometimes um, like Elijah and that, he said, he said, let my, my uh, servant, you know, he'd been surrounded uh, in battle and they were badly outnumbered and his, his uh, servant, uh, I think it was Gehazi from memory, uh, was freaking out. And Isaiah said, let him see what I can see. And he looked and suddenly he saw that the armies were around, but around them was God's army and it was much, much bigger. So there were stories like that all through the Bible, but it had stopped 400 years. No one had probably seen an angel. And then suddenly there's a shepherd standing there and suddenly there's an angel. And it says the shepherds were afraid. I probably would be too. The angel said to them, do not be afraid for I have some very good news. News that will make everyone happy. Today your Saviour is born in God's town. He is a Messiah, the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth, lying 
in a feeding box. We call it the manger, but it was just a food trough for cattle and horses. Then a huge army of angels from heaven joined the first angel and they were all there praising and saying, praise God in heaven and on the earth. Let there be peace to people who please him. And the cool thing is that this was the introduction to Jesus, the baby. The baby who from day one would be sought to be killed by a jealous ruler called Herod, who didn't want anything to do with someone who was going to want to share power. So he ordered, he slaughtered many, many babies. And from then on in, powers of darkness were out to get Jesus. And then he grew up and he managed to walk in God and grow in his in wisdom and knowledge and and uh, God was his father and, and Jesus was his son. And he hit 30 and he started his ministry that we know about, don't we? Three years, he did stuff. He said stuff that is crazy. It challenged ideas, it challenged notions of how things operated. It said, pray for your enemies. Love people who do bad to you. That's nuts, isn't it? Imagine, imagine being in the, in, in the days of Rome and this guy is sitting there teaching and he's saying, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. I can just see them just sitting there scratching their heads thinking, what, what, what is this guy about? But Jesus was about high stuff. He looked, his ways weren't our ways. His words were, his ways were above. His ways were from God. He taught us how to, how to come and get to the, the, the thing that was actually tripping us up. Not the, not, the, not the fruit, not the fact that I get angry or not the fact that I, that I hurt someone. The fact, uh, the Sorry, the fact that I get angry in the first place. He said, target that. If you're angry with your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. I mean, they never would have heard that before. Jesus would have been the first person who actually took it down to the actual root and said, the problem with murder is not the act of murder. It's the anger, the unresolved anger that people have towards others. And when you let it grow, it becomes, long way down the track, murder. Adultery doesn't start off as adultery. It starts off as looking with, at someone with lust. You know, journeying with people doesn't, doesn't start by trying to take planks out of their eyes. It starts with me getting, sorry, speck, a speck out of someone's eye. It starts with me removing the log in my own eye and not worrying so much about the speck in someone else's eye. Focusing on me, focusing on my heart. Isn't that incredible? Jesus, as we know, was killed at the end of three years' ministry for things he hadn't done. He, he was set up, betrayed and crucified. But the cool news is we know that he rose again. He rose again on the third day. And what is amazing is this baby that was born at this time turned the world, went on to turn the world 
upside down. You know, I was thinking earlier today, Christmas time. We, we met someone this morning, um, someone who uh, was doing it rough. And so we went and got some, we had some vouchers in the office um, that we were able to give um, some supermarket vouchers. And we gave, gave her $100 worth of vouchers. When you need food, who do you think about contacting? Who are you more likely to contact when you need food? Sorry? The food bank. Who runs the food banks? Churches. Here's a list of food banks around the Wellington area. And it's the wider Wellington area. Salvation Army, it's a big list. Salvation Army Masterton. Salvation Army Capity. St. Anne's Porirua. Salvation Army Newtown, Salvation Army Hutt City, Salvation Army Kilburnie, Salvation Army Carterton, Salvation Army Porirua, Wellington City Mission, St. Vincent de Paul, Salvation Army Johnsonville and Upper Hutt, Salvation Army Murama, Salvation Army Tawa. At the bottom of the list, work and income. I was talking to a government worker yesterday. We had dinner with them, and he works for um, Ministry of Social Economic Development. And, and I was chatting about this, that churches, you know, if churches were to stop doing what we do, society would stop being what it is. It would stop being provided for because it's churches actually doing all this stuff. And he, and he, and he works with... Um, young adults and that who are in, who are you know on the fringe and and really going through hard stuff and and he said I had some I had one the other day he said needed needed food and he said so where did I take them where did I get the food from church yeah salvation army food bank yeah Jesus went on to influence and change the world, whether we like it or not, whether, whether people believe in Jesus or not, he influenced the entire world. When I was in the police, I was amazed in my first year standing in court many, many days and listening to lawyers say, uh, speaking to the judge and say, my, my client needs to get into a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, Your Honour, uh, but there's just no space anywhere for three months. And so he would either go be remanded back into the custody or he would be bailed to come back again. And it was just, I just heard it day after day, case after case, and I thought, where's, the, where's all the help? Where's all the, all the you know, all, all the programs that, that we give as a country that we, um, that we finance and that, and I realised that it's actually the church behind actually doing the lion's share of this. Now, that's not to say that the government doesn't, doesn't finance because they do finance a lot of stuff. So this is not about banging the government or, you know, giving them a hard time or anything. Um, they're doing their best. But it's actually the church's role. It's actually, it's actually our job at Christmas time 
as believers to actually influence this world, to impact this world. It's what Jesus has shown us how to do. He lived for three years. He talked to us. He showed us stuff. And now he expects us to live that stuff out. So my, my challenge is that we actually come to Jesus, that we realize that Jesus is not just a, a cute little baby in a manger. He was a warrior child. He was a warrior baby. He came here to do battle with powers of darkness. Yes, he was born a beautiful little baby that Mary no doubt would have loved dearly, but he grew up to be a warrior. He, he was here to change the systems, here to break the powers of darkness so that people could have a brighter tomorrow. That's what he talked about when he quoted Isaiah and he said, I came to set the captives free, that the blind may see, that the lame may walk, that, you know. That's what he's talking about. And that he's passed on to us, passed it on to his disciples and passed it on to us. So it's an exciting opportunity that we have. But now is a great time where we consider Jesus. And it's a time where when I was thinking about Jesus, I came to at Christmas time and I spent Christmas period thinking, is Jesus real? Where, where do I sit with Jesus? Where do I sit with Jesus? Is he first place in my life? At that point, he wasn't first place in my life. But he reached out to me at Christmas time and he became first place in my life and he changed my world. Romans chapter 10 says, If you openly say Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. So we need to believe that Jesus is real in our hearts and be able to confess it to others. And it says that we will be saved. The team's just going to put a song on that we can, um, you can just spend a moment and just watch the clip and just have a think about where do I sit with God? Where do I sit with God tonight? Where do I sit with God? Spend your Christmas, like have a wonderful Christmas period. Safe journeys, you know, it's fun, sun, all that stuff. I hope the surf, if you're going surfing, I hope the surf is great. I hope the fishing, I hope the fish are biting, especially when I go. But use these times to contemplate Jesus and give him first place in your life. Don't come back from your holidays rested, but without being close to Jesus. Give Jesus first place in your life.